You're listening to the home of cool, irreverent, and entertaining talk right here on L.A. Talk Radio. You just found the very best in original talk radio broadcasting on the Internet. It's L.A. Talk Radio. We say what we want. What we want. You're listening to On the Couch, On the Couch, with Dr. Michelle, on L.A. Talk Radio. Well, this is Dr. Michelle Cohen, and welcome, everybody, to my couch. I know you're going to want to uh, kick back, put your feet up on the couch, and relax and listen to today's show. It's a good one. Well, as usual, what else do you expect, guys? Um, Let me ask you something here. Has anyone ever said to you, you're making yourself sick by worrying so much? (laughs) Yeah, right? Have you thought to yourself, wow, I'm going to drive myself crazy or I, I really am going to be sick? And, and, of course, a lot of the talk about how stress uh, can manifest some nasty things in our bodies. And that's that's the way it works sometimes. I mean, it really does. You know, there's been a lot of research going on about the connection between our minds and our bodies. And actually, there is proof that how we think, the stress we feel in our lives, the other negative thoughts we think and continue to think <laughs> makes us sick. It can literally make us sick. You know, what, do you ever ask, can our lifestyle of worry, negative thought, cause us to get more serious illness, like cancer or even autoimmune diseases? I mean, there has been a lot of research going on about that. And according to my special guest today, our cells in our bodies do have intelligence. And we can learn a lot from our cells and how they affect our bodies, mind-body connection. So take note, folks. It's a great idea. It's a wonderful and interesting subject, and there's a lot of research behind it. My guest today is Dr. Sandra Barrett. She's a biochemist and postdoctoral specialist in immunology at the University of California Med School. Um, she's also researched childhood cancers, and her book today is Secrets of Your Cells, Discovering Your Body's Inner Intelligence. Hey, Sandra. Welcome to the show. Hey, Michelle. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you here with us. What a book. Oh, my goodness. You, <laughs> you, you are a researcher. <laughs> you really, you've really explained a lot of things that I never understood about our bodies and our minds. Well, uh, a lot of my research was done with basic cells. Yeah. Uh, then, you know, when you get into doing research, you start going into yeah. worrying about is it going to work? Yeah. Well, that's true. <laughs> so you start looking at other issues. <laughs> exactly. It, it's really yeah. true. But yeah. what's terrific is, you know, this is also written for uh, people who are not biochemists or MDs or PhDs. It's it's really well written and very understandable. Uh, that's what I enjoyed about it. It flows really well. And, and really, for people who don't understand a lot of medical concepts, they really can easily understand this. And you you talk about the body cells 
in your book from three different perspectives. You, you look at the scientific perspective and the practical and also what we call and you call the sacred. Now, can you just briefly explain the difference between the three different perspectives you present in your book? Sure. Uh, the scientific is actually the biology, the cutting-edge biology mm-hmm. and biochemistry and, and medical science. Yes. Like, what what are the facts that we know about our bodies in terms of mind-body and yes. at a cellular level? Yes. So, you know, so, like, what's what's measurable? What's What have the scientists shown us? The practical is... Um, because I have done groups and done a lot of teaching over the years, like, how do you put this information, how do you make it useful? Right. Yeah. Uh, Put it into practice. What are some of the practices and exercises I've taught, I've learned, I've done myself over the years Mm -hmm. that seem to make a difference in balancing, you know, the the work, like you were talking about at the beginning of the show, the worry, what kind of things can we do to shift that, even if the situation hasn't changed. Right. And... And then the sacred for me is I began looking at cells as being sacred when mm-hmm. I started seeing them under the microscope, you know, living human cells. Like, mm-hmm. this is pretty mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. And um, it shifted my awareness, you know, that we weren't just blobs of in, inanimate tissue. <laughs> right. Um, there was a holiness oh. to me. Yes. And I started when I started doing more teaching, you know, sort of bridging the cells with mind-body, Yeah, I kept on seeing parallels hmm. in sacred teachings. Hmm. And uh, that's how the, the book goes from, you know, each chapter goes from what's the scientific explanation of how our cells work right. at an easy, you know, it's yeah. like I, I may be a PhD biochemist, but I learn at a you know an eighth grade level maybe right it's, you know science you know how to make it simple yeah and then where do we put it in our bodies or our practices and um, can we really see that this is all divine yes you know divinely designed right what's well, also yeah. really yeah. interesting too Sandra you know with your expertise your background is that you present information and research in the book that really backs up. Uh, a lot of what you're talking about here, the connection between the mind and the body and how the cells sort of mimic, um, you know, the world out there and how how we can really get some good clues. Um, and you, you talk about, you know, you weren't really looking for deep meaning when you were studying cells <laughs> and molecules and you were doing no. your biochemist job. You know, you were really researching and focusing on things. But you started, like you said, looking into the structures and, and you found sort of a mysterious realm. And can you share a little bit more about how this happened? Sure. Um, well, you know, the first thing that really sort of opened my eyes mm-hmm. uh, or shifted me a little bit was when I started looking, uh, you know, some of my research at, at the University of California w- was to develop diagnostic tools for human cancer, for human leukemias. Mm. And I saw that when you look at those cells under the microscope, they're very chaotic. Their appearance is so different than Mm. normal cells that, Mm. you know, I leaped in my mind to, oh, they create chaos in the body. Mm -hmm. They create chaos in the family. Um, They look chaotic. They look disordered. 
do things look like what they do? It was sort of like this little thought yeah. pattern that I had. And in biology, there's this concept of, you know, form and function. What something does follows what it looks like mm-hmm. in a sort of broad way of looking at things. Yes. And so the cells were one way for me to sort of shift how I saw things. Mm-hmm. And then the other I had, uh, it was an accent, you know, I think a lot of science is an accent. I had taken uh, a side trip to the Science Museum in Golden Gate Park where they had an exhibit of chemicals of the brain through the microscope. Yes. Now, for me, chemicals, you know, were things in a bottle or the, right. these weird looking structures and textbooks. They yeah. had no inherent beauty. Right. And the exhibit of chemicals of the brain was really another wake-up call. It's like, well, these are beautiful. Mm. I'm going to go back to my lab and start looking at the chemicals of life and see what these look like under the microscope. And this was the 70s, so I could get my hands on substances that changed the brain, mind-altering substances. Wow. And Mm. a lot of the, you know, it's I was fortunate enough to get a little material LSD to uh-huh. see what it looked like under the microscope. Well, what did that and look like? That's cool. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> it was, and it looked like a visionary landscape. Really? And the same person, one of the Harvard uh, experts in the, from the old days, mm-hmm. um, gave me some peyote to photograph. Right. And that that's a sacred chemical for the Huichol Indians. Yes. And yes. it looked like their yarn paintings. So I began to think, what's going on here? Hmm. You know, do is this just accident? You know, is it, you know, serendipity? Is it real? Hmm. And uh, you know, one of the sort of other places where there was, I would say, meaning in the molecules. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. A, a friend had asked me to photograph minerals that were related to astrology, right. which I also right. had no belief in. Right, and. But when I photographed the 12 mineral salts, I saw four distinctive shapes, mm. and the shapes categorized themselves according to the four elements in astrology. Wow. You know, all the air sign minerals were square, and the yes. earth minerals were round, and it was like, this. How? where did this occult knowledge come from? Isn't that fascinating? It, yeah. 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 Did it come from the inner, vi- you know, inner visioning? And right. that sort of right. got me into asking these questions that I never would have predicted at all. Or yeah. seeing connections. Yeah. You know, seeing connections. Yeah, the visual, what the particular um, minerals, what the particular molecules looked like under under the microscope or, you know, photographic, um, uh, microscopic photograph or whatever, and then how... Really, it's amazing. And then you saw the connection between good cells and bad cells, of course, and how they how they look, you know, under a microscope. Exactly. They're out exactly. Of, really out of it. By the way, yeah. in case you just tuned in here, you're on the couch with Dr. Michelle, and my special guest today is Dr. Sandra Barrett. She's uh, the author of her latest book, which is fascinating. You want to learn more about the mind-body connection and um, more serious illnesses and how we can possibly some way back off or try to prevent them. The book's called Secrets of Your Cells, Discovering Your Body's Inner Intelligence. And we're talking uh, about cellular intelligence. What What's that mean? What is that about, Sandra? Well, if you think about yeah. cells, they have to be able to make decisions in time frames that you and I couldn't 
even conceive of. Right. They receive information. You you know, you started the program talking about stress. Mm-hmm. So let's, mm-hmm. you know, we could look at that. If we're really stressed and worried, the body, you know, the tissues are sending out lots of chem- stress chemicals, stress hormones, right. say adrenaline. Right. The, the receivers or the antenna on the outside of the cell pick this up. It's like they're tuning into the worry at a molecular level. Yeah. And then what happens? How does the cell know mm-hmm. to respond? It's mm-hmm. got all these signals. It's like with a radio. It's got all these signals, right. but something inside the cell must respond and make a decision on what to do. Right. So the, the cellular intelligence is the ability for you know, the cell to make that choice. Now, why it makes a choice to respond to the stress chemicals, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because they're also going to be peaceful chemicals floating around, mm-hmm. yeah. um, that's a whole other issue. Mm-hmm. So, so for me, the, I, you know, as a biologist, biochemist, mm-hmm. the most exciting thing I learned was after I left the lab yeah. um, about the seat of cellular intelligence in uh, our cells. Yes. In the past, people were saying, the genes are what make the cell intelligent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, the, the genes are just this hidden code for making proteins. Right. And right. then um, some of your listeners might be familiar with Bruce Lipton, right. who has yeah. done an amazing job in teaching us about our cells. Mm-hmm, and he mm-hmm. talks about the, the cell membrane right. as being the brain of the cell, because the membrane is where these antenna are, right. the receivers. Right, right. And... There's been a huge body of literature now that says, well, what receives the information and makes the decision mm-hmm. is what's mm-hmm. called the cytoskeleton, which is the fabric inside the cell. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, you might have remembered learning about cytoplasm right, or protoplasm right. in a cell, which sure. is like this gel. That's what I learned. Yes. But in fact, it's not really this empty gel. Mm. It's strings and struts and filaments that connect the receptors to the genes and Mm. get moves around all the materials the cell needs. Mm -hmm. So the Mm -hmm. seat of cellular intelligence is this what's called cytoskeleton. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And... Do you want me to go more into that? No, I was or? just saying now, when we get stressed, for instance, Sandra, okay. we, we get extremely, there's something going on, and we're very stressed, and we're worrying, and we, we're we doing this on a daily basis. Something's happening, and, and we continue to, you know, um, release these hormones. And our cells, like you said, they, they need to, uh, they're tuned in. <laughs> right. And they need they're to react in. to these particular chemicals that are being released in our bodies on a daily basis that are saying, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. Well, how, right. how does a cytoskeleton, how does this respond to all this worry, and, and, and is that what makes us sicker sometimes? Oh, good, great question. Thanks. Well, one of the things that happens, we have to think of be, beyond our chemicals. Mm-hmm. When we're stressed and worried, we're physically tense. Right. You right. know, you might realize, oh, my shoulders, you know, oh. are up to my ears. Oh, yeah. Or I'm clenching, I'm clenching my jaw. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the physical tension is influencing the cells, mm. the cytoskeleton of the cells. Mm-hmm. Wow. So not only the chemicals, 
but how we are physically and the term is being you know now used is how are they mechanic how are the cells responding mechanically yes so yeah. when the, so when the cells are tight mm-hmm. they're sending out different genetic uh, expressions mm-hmm. they're sending yeah. out different molecules mm-hmm. and for me yeah. one of the reasons i got so excited about the cytoskeleton is oh if we change our body physically, right, we can improve our health. Mm-hmm. We may not know the reason for the worry or the tension, right. But here mm-hmm. we've got these structures that are, you know, we're tensing them up. Can we release some of the tension in those cells? Scientists have shown that uh, the expression of our genes change depending on the mechanical tension on those cells, right. And in the mm-hmm. long run, you know, I perceive that we'll ultimately be able to to learn how some of these practices you know like yoga Mm -hmm. um, or even doing chanting Mm -hmm. how that really does improve our health I mean many of us do it because it helps us feel better right right but having again for me having the cellular proof that there's a place in the cells that really can respond to this and there's data that shows Oh, the tension on these cells is going to influence what genes uh, they're going to activate. Mm -hmm. Tells me we have a a lot more inner inner management or inner control than I think we thought we did before. That's that's good news, Sandra. <laughs> that's really good news. So you you talk about the you know how physical tension and and chemicals flooding our cells, you know they influence them from the stress and the worry and the muscle tension and all these things that are going on. So what you're saying basically is that you know sound movement, um, yoga, energy practices, these are all things that are just kind of relaxing us. And I'm getting down to the basics here. They these right. practices stretch our muscles, which relax us, and open. There's nothing sort of magical <laughs> about this. I mean, it's just it's it's really true that after you know a comfortable yoga session we can all handle. Um, <laughs> you know, we're more <laughs> relaxed. Um, Qigong, I took some Qigong classes from um, uh, a Taekwondo master, and oh my uh-huh. gosh, I'd come out of there feeling like. <sighs> Everything was lifted off my mind and body. So mm-hmm. it's the relaxation of the body that helps the relaxation of the mind and, of course, relaxing the hormonal release and the tension from attacking the cells or, you know, signaling to the cells. Those poor little cells go, oh, my God, what should I do? <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> what, what am I going to exactly. do? Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to What do this. I do? Yeah. And, you know, the whole idea of, in the moment, you know, we're always in the now. If yeah. we can just bring, you know, that's one of the ways I deal with the worry. If I go mm. off on, you know, this boyfriend isn't doing what I want him to do yeah. or yeah. whatever, um, yeah. that takes me out of being present. Yes. So I'm like, okay, come back to now. Yes. You know, what do you come back to now? That's putting me. That's using my energy and my cells in something that is really misguided. Yes. Yeah. So come back to the now. And, if yes. the, and even if the now, and this is kind of zen, I know, but even if the now is not comfortable right. and we're dealing with stressors and pressures and people are, it's be, try to be in the now and roll with it. Do the best you can for moment to moment. I know it's hard to do for all of us. It but. is hard to do. It is hard to do. Yeah. You know, it is hard to do. Yeah. But, it, you know, if we realize that 
the more we become aware and are able to do that, yes, the more we're able to manage our life yes. and the healthier we will feel. Right, exactly. And yes. by by the way, my regular listeners will email me here, uh, Sandra, on docmichelle at aol.com. So I pull that up and I get a running dialogue here of <laughs> yeah, buts <laughs> a lot. <laughs> So, oh, so I mean that's, that's cool. Should be interesting. It's Talk all good. About it's being all... in and now in two places. <laughs> that's exactly right. So I'm processing it. You know, uh, you know. Oh, anyway, but uh, one of the yeah buts was I have to plan my life and I have to figure out what I'm doing for my week. Of course, Sandra and I are not talking about that. Uh, she's talking about trying to stay in the now, and you, we all need to plan what we're going to be doing, you know, in the next several days or our weeks or our appointments. Exactly. That's not to negate that because that would make us worry more in the now if we didn't show up. <laughs> <laughs> but this is, this is uh, you know, about sort of trying, and I don't mean to say I'm new agey, but try to embrace what's going on now and just get through things and moment to moment try to focus on what you can do your best on every day. You know, exactly. I mean, you know, it's it's like, you know, one of my concerns was how the was the book going to be interpreted as mm-hmm. new agey, mm-hmm. because yeah. it does go into areas that a scientist doesn't typically cover. Mm-hmm. And um, what you know, what's new age? Yes. Is is new age ways of thinking differently, you know. I mean, it's like I can remember the time mm-hmm. when mind-body wasn't even a concept in right. health. Right. It was, you know, and that wasn't that long ago, maybe 20 years ago. Right. So mind-body was new-agey. It really was, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, the so-called new-agey's been around forever in the ancient ages of uh shamanistic and uh you know exactly exactly new age reviving old 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 age yeah exactly a lot of folks are going oh aha you know um this is probably the most fascinating part of your book to me and it's i mean the whole book's fascinating um but it's because you know i'm a psychologist and i do work with people and their minds and i try to help them with stress management techniques and sort of re- right. refocusing the thought and and trying to work with thoughts that are not and i hate to say the word distorted but that are that are a little more true out there in the world uh, mm-hmm. as opposed to our own perceptions and negative imprints and things. oh my gosh oh my you know let's let's talk about reality here so what really fascinated me was your work with cancer patients and uh-huh. and you talked about letting go and you share those stories about how some people with cancer who let go of something really big in their life that they've been holding on to. Like, for example, they f- forgave someone at a really deep level or, you know, let go of some anger or resentment. They unexpectedly went into remission and stayed there. So how is mm-hmm. it possible that when we can let go emotionally of something that's holding us into certain deep patterns, how is it possible that our cells respond Oh, I, I, I wish biggie. I had the answer that they would always respond that way. Yeah. But let me give you two, two, two explanations of how letting go really helps us to the cellular level. Okay. And again, one comes to the stress response. Mm-hmm. Work by James Pennebaker. Are you familiar with James Pennebaker? I who, have. Yes, go ahead. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Okay. Who, um, he's a psychologist down at the University of Texas. Mm-hmm. And what Pennebaker did, di- 
did was he discovered the power of confession. Mm-hmm. He basically had been asked to explain the physiology behind a lie detector test. Yes. Um, he was teaching people who gave those tests, mm-hmm. and they said there's something very unusual that happens. Mm-hmm. When someone's lying, they have a stress response. We all you know, we all know right. that from right. watching TV, if yeah. nothing else. Yes. He said, but when they confess to the crime, instead of being stressed because they're going to go to jail or have to go to court and yeah. go through that chaos, right. um, they respond with a relaxation response. Wow. And Hannah Baker was surprised about that, yeah. and they, he didn't understand it. And he went back to his students and did a whole body of research showing that, and his hypothesis is, when we're holding on to a worry, mm-hmm. uh, holding mm-hmm. on to a lie, holding on to not forgiving somebody, whatever the holding on is, mm-hmm. that puts us at in a stress, mm-hmm. you know, a, a spre- stressful environment internally. Yes. Yes. When we express whether it's the lie we've held in mm-hmm. or we've forgiven somebody, right. the body moves, the body mind mm. moves into a relaxed mode. Mm. So mm. they've let go. And, you know, I, I perceive memory as holographic in every cell. Yes. It's not just, it's not just in our brain. Right. Um, so that when we're letting go, all the cells are letting go of mm. that that m- minuscule tension. Yes. And how he extrapolated that, or how he used he has used it in many clinical mm-hmm. situations. So this could be really useful for your listeners. Yeah. He had um, the strategy he used was to have people write for fifteen to twenty minutes a day for only four days, mm-hmm. their thoughts and feelings about the situation. Yes. Yeah. W- what they, they were lying or yeah. whether they were really super stressed. And what he showed which was phenomenal. Yes. And, yes. He, and one of the clinical, he did it with two, two different clinical groups. Um, one was people with asthma. Right. which is a hyperimmune allergic state most right. of the time. Right. And people people with rheumatoid arthritis, mm-hmm. which is an autoimmune disease. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he showed that so they did this practice for four days only. Wow. Nobody had to read it. Yeah. Um six months later the people who were asthmatic mm-hmm. still had improved lung function. My God. And the yeah. people with rheumatoid arthritis still had less pain than they had before they had ever done this. Wow. So it's like, oh, that is pretty amazing. They've let go <laughs> yeah. that yeah. way. Now, Gosh. from the cancer perspective, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's, I mentioned the, the cytoskeleton of the cells. Right, right. Well, when the, how cells grow, if you're growing them in a the laboratory, mm-hmm. they have to mm-hmm. be attached mm-hmm. and stretched out. So that's one level of tension on the cells, mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. level has them... Um, expressing the genes that say grow more, reproduce, cover the dish. Right. When the cells let go of all of their tension, say in the dish there's not enough resources for all the cells to grow. Right. When they let go, so they're no longer holding on to the dish, those cells, new genetic program, which all cells have, they Mm. now program cell death. Wow. So you know, so the when bad, yeah. I, 
this wasn't my initial observation in mm-hmm. cancer patients. It was a friend who sees cancer patients all the time and right. telling me these stories. Yeah. So I said, I wonder if when they're letting go, mm-hmm. that gives permission to the cancer cells to let go of the genetic program to keep on reproducing, and they go into the automatic mm-hmm. um, self-destruct mode. Right. That's interesting. Now, do they do they also can say cells when they go into te- can they um, can they stop production of of that particular attachment and being stressed out and and start creating healthier cells? Oh well, let's put it this way: there's some suggestions that that can happen, but I'll move it into another realm, which Mm -hmm. there's probably going to be more data. It's harder. I mean, we know that when cells, there's the in-between stage, when cells let go of the attachment, some of their tension in the dish, they will mature. Yes. Yes. So you could say that's a healthier cell. Right. It's no longer reproducing. Okay. And it's now becoming, it's becoming, you know, the functional adult. Yes. Yes. And when okay. it finishes its hmm. job, it can maybe take on another job, mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. it can say, okay, I've done enough, it's time for me to leave. Yes, yeah. Oh, interesting. So they can yeah. make healthier cells. Sure, that's good news. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah it's very good news. Yeah. It's but very good news. If you just tuned in here on LA Talk Radio, by the way, you're on the couch with me, Dr. Michelle, and my special guest today, Dr. Sandra Barrett. She's the author uh, of her latest book, it's called Secrets of Your Cells, Discovering Your Body's Inner Intelligence. And it's all about the mind-body connection and how through our cells we can find out more about us and then we can, through our thoughts and uh, possibly taking care of our physical bodies, better manage our cells because they are us. <laughs> and, and, you know, you're talking about um, James Pennebaker's uh, research, uh, Sandra. You know, it's interesting because, I mean, it does keep in line with, the psychology of, you know, confessing. I mean, it's wonderful to be able to share right. with someone with no judgment. I'm just going to let it out. I'm going to tell everybody what I've done or what I'm fearing or what has happened to me, and I'm not going to be judged by someone. And also about getting sicker, that's, you know, the whole the Freudian thing, of shoving things down into subconscious where it's deeply hidden somewhere there in the brain, right. wherever that is, and um, not allowing them to come up. And therefore, causing causing us a lot of illness because there these horrible feelings and experiences maybe we've had, we've shut down because we have to function, and this is called survival. Right. <laughs> so we exactly. survive. Exactly. Yeah, we have yeah. to hide it from ourselves. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, but our cell, we're not hiding it from ourselves. Right. That's right. That's exactly you know, right. Like, okay. Yeah. You know, we may not even know they're there. Right. It, you know. Yeah, we may not know they're there. And they're lurking. Yeah. And in your book, uh, Secrets of Yourselves, you say that we need to pay attention to the words we say, <laughs> thoughts that we think to ourselves and others. Now, that's exactly what we're talking about because our cells are listening. They're listening. <laughs> so what are some of the ways in which we can let go of negative thoughts or some of these harmful feelings, Sandra? Well, you know, one of the ways, obviously, is how do we have a, a, a healthy practice? Mm-hmm. Whether it's a meditation practice or a qigong practice or a yoga practice mm-hmm. or listening to music, 
we need some ways to be able to really relax our minds mm-hmm. and our bodies. Mm-hmm. You know, we're always going to have stress, mm-hmm. but how do we shift into a more peaceful place? Yes. Is that, you know, a, a daily meditation practice? Mm-hmm. For me, one of the the practices or the exercises I have found to be the most effective, again, personally, and when I'm teaching groups, is a gratitude practice. Mm, Yes. How do I, you know, we can always get lost in, you know, the negativity. You know, I know that very well. You know, I know it. Um, How do I? How do I shift out of it? You know, I could drive myself crazy Mm -hmm. or I can go into what do I have to be grateful for now? Right. You know, even if I'm being grateful to myself, thanks for getting me here (laughs) in reasonably uh, good health. Right. Um, Right. So, you know, many teachers talk about, you know, an attitude of gratitude Mm -hmm. really helps us shift our awareness and shift our consciousness. Part of it is awareness. That's right. Each, you know, when, you, when we know there's, you know, it's like a, a perfect example for me is I'm a constant critic and judge, I'm sorry to admit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, you're a scientist. So if I'm hearing, so if I'm around somebody who yeah. I've heard the story the 15th time yeah. and I can't get that person to stop telling the story, <laughs> my mind goes on and on and on and on. Right. Uh, criticizing, it's in the negative about someone else, but it's certainly not hurting them, it's hurting me. Mm-hmm. This is again mm-hmm. where I go into okay. Come back to now. Mm-hmm. Why are why are you wasting your mental energy in judging? It's not helping her. It's not helping you. That's right. That's so right. a key to the, you know, it's you know it's not where this is always going to help. Mm-hmm. But I always look at how many different strategies may I use right. to be able to shift yeah. my thoughts because they're always going to take me someplace and if we become aware of our patterns right like i know i'm a judge i know i'm critical yeah yep can i take a deep breath and come back into just being now Mm -hmm. and it's gotten easier and easier for me the more i do that practice Mm -hmm. you know the more i okay i don't need to be critical because i know when i'm being critical of someone else deep down i'm also being critical of myself oh yes Oh yes, so, exactly. <laughs> a good, good one. So, that's that, yeah. That's a gem for the listeners. Thank you for that, Sandra. <laughs> yeah, that's a gem. Well, another one is shaking it out. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. I mean, really, literally yeah, shaking. You know, it's like yeah. shaking your hands. Yeah. yeah. Shaking your body. Yeah. It's another way to kind of let it go. Right. I have this uh, guest on last week who was talking about negative thinking, and <laughs> he's the old school guy where he he wears these old rubber bands that are really thick, and when he starts thinking really negative thoughts, he snaps himself on the wrist and snap out oh, of it. You know, it's so funny. But I mean, hey, whatever yeah. works, right, Sandra? <laughs> yeah, whatever works. Each one of us has a different package of uh, tricks that <laughs> yeah, work exactly you know the, the yeah. way i look at it is 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 so true about the attitude of gratitude and people go oh come on that's so airy fairy that's a... no really truly because the thought that goes with the attitude of gratitude is humility is pulling back on defenses is uh, is being humble is allowing wow thank you so much it, it's admitting our vulnerability and just saying yeah, I'm just this person and I'm letting go. And that's that's the thing about that you talk about too is letting go. Just relaxing, be humble, chill. 
you know, <laughs> try not to let things get you out there so crazy and upset, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And also, you know, for me, the gratitude practice is, and there's a, there's a script on my website that people could go to, um, SandraBarrett.com, put a plug, but there is an, an yeah. audio script that people can listen. It brings you back to a remembering mm-hmm. an experience mm-hmm. of feeling grateful, and mm-hmm. that floods ourselves and relaxes us in very different ways. Yes. You know, it's, it's really can be peaceful. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's sad because you remember, you know, a parent who's no longer, you know, alive. And, right. Uh, but that we have that ability to mm-hmm. tap into how do we remember, maybe somebody felt grateful for us. Yes. Exactly. How do we take that in and, right. you know, let you know ourselves resonate with all of that? Exactly. Oh, okay. I, I could take that. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. And also in your book, you talked about, um, which fascinated me, you, you shared a lot of studies, which were really fascinating. But you talked about that study in China and how researchers found that cancer patients who were in remission were taught uh, Qigong those stress-reducing techniques, and had nearly doubled their cell repair rate. Can you share that a little bit more and some other data about the healing properties of imagery? You talk a lot about thoughts and imagery. Well, you know, in Qigong, the the practice that they actually taught in China, I don't know how much imagery they did use, Mm -hmm. but they, um, it was called the, the Guilin Walk. Mm-hmm. And again, it basically it looks like your hands are fluttering back and forth. Right. And you know, people practice for a couple of months. And one of the interesting things in that particular study, part of that, again, this is in China where mm-hmm. there's maybe more of a belief in the ancient mm-hmm. uh, Chinese traditional Chinese medicine mm-hmm. um, and Qigong. People met for tea. Yes. So they mm-hmm. they were not they were doing this practice. But they also were having the social support of sharing tea together. Very so that what you know that's to me that's one of the mm. missing ingredients often in our understanding the healing process. Yes. You know we the old timers whether it was a thousand years ago or you know the beginning of last mm-hmm. century mm-hmm. were often the family was involved in the healing process. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so, and there's a lot of data that shows, you now support groups. Yeah. Uh, David Spiegel did, you know, an interesting study uh, maybe 15 years ago where women with breast cancer were in a support group. Yes. So he was giving them pain-relieving imagery, mm-hmm. um, and they met every week, and they were looking at what their goals were for, you know, the next, you know, their plan of what right. they needed to do still. Right. And what he saw was that the women, and this was not what he had set out to see, that the women who were in the support group, Mm -hmm. so the whole gamish, if you will, of imagery um, and social support and whatever else they were doing in this planning, Mm -hmm. what what priorities they needed in their life, those women lived twice as long. Wow. They lived 36 months compared to 18 months for the women, Mm. you know, with a similar kind of diagnosis who didn't have the support. Uh, so, you know, it was like, that's interesting to me. Yes. That, again, part yeah. of how how do we access these strategies? Maybe mm-hmm. we just don't do it on our own. Exactly. A lot of the data um, on the imagery mm-hmm. comes from more from 
um, pain relief. Mm-hmm. Right. So people who practice different right. kinds of imagery relieve mm-hmm. their pain That's if they right. had arthritis. That's right. Or if they had, you know, problems with their knee mm-hmm. or they were preparing for surgery. Right. Um, right. They had better outcomes. Right, and, right. And uh, right. a lot of the imagery you, may, you probably know is the athletes in Russia, you know, in the old Soviet Union, mm-hmm. they always mm-hmm. used imagery um, before, you know, as they were learning their practice. They did. They were doing the psycho-cybernetics uh, thing back in the early 70s, <laughs> in the exactly, 60s, right? Exactly. Right, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, I had one of my students when I was teaching psychoimmunology, yeah. he was a, a trainer, mm-hmm. and he decided, and everybody always you know, had to have a, you know, a final project. His project was he would have some of his, you know, some of his uh, clients who he was training on weightlifting right. uh, do imagery first, mm-hmm. and some didn't. Mm-hmm. And he found that those who did the imagery before they actually did the lifting increased their uh, abilities better than the ones who didn't mm. uh, do the imagery. So there's lots of, you know, we all know about Im- negative in- imagery, you know, as you started. Mm-hmm. Worry is a negative in- imagery. Yes, yes. So how, you know, what yeah. kind, what are, where else are, are I think we're going to see more and more data. It's harder to study these well, things unless there's a physical, out, right. you know, a physical change, a right. physical outcome. Right, right. And that's so pain is one of those things you can definitely see. That's right. You know, you, you know, I was looking at, do we have any results on imagery in cancer? I haven't seen any physically yet. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But Other than yes. relieving symptoms. Aha. And, and also and feeling better. Right. Feeling better, relieving symptoms, pain management, as you said, and, yep. and also yep. anxiety and stress management. You know, there, exactly. there's something coming out, too. And I just wanted to sh- ask you about this quickly because of, um, you, you talked about the heart's mind and Paul Pearsall's theory that our heart cells do have a mind. There's a lot of talk going on around uh, right now that, you know, our right. hearts feel more emotions than our limbic system in our brain <laughs> you know that's what a lot of folks are saying can what do you think about that and and what do you think about some of the stories from heart transplant patients um who say that they sometimes take on certain characteristics or emotions of people whose heart that they had put in their bodies i mean that's a bizarre subject for me well it's totally bizarre and to me it was like one of the most exciting yeah. things yeah. I had read about, you know, because we really don't know where consciousness is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We talk about it. Now, mm-hmm. some scientists say that consciousness, here we go back to the beginning of the show, yeah. consciousness is in the cytoskeleton mm-hmm. of the, our cells. Yeah. Um, is it the winding of DNA in our cells? Where yeah. is that... Memory held, you know, is it held in the energetic field in our cells? Yeah. You know, again, the cytoskeleton has its own energetic field. Mm-hmm. So for me, this, some of the stories um, were profound. I mean, you know, with the, someone's changing what they like to listen to, music or the mm-hmm. food they listen to. Yeah. Uh, one of the, uh, there were two profound stories. You probably have already, you know, know them. Mm-hmm. One mm-hmm. was woman and her husband were having a fight driving down the road uh-huh. uh, in a major car accident. Mm. The husband's killed. She knows he wants his 
organs donated. donated. Sure, sure. And um, maybe six months later, she contacts uh, the physician to see if she could meet the person who got her husband's heart. Yeah. And they agreed to that. Okay. And when she met this young man, who's like a 16-year-old kid, who got her husband's heart, she asked the boy's mother, can I put my hand on his chest? They weren't primarily English-speaking people. Right. And the mom understood why she was asking that. Sure, sure. So she put her hand on this young man's chest and said, everything's copacetic. (laughs) And the, the mother looks at her very puzzled and says, what does that word mean? So the the young she man said, said that. That, that wait, hap- okay, wait okay. for the story. So right, the right. mother, no. So here the the wife yeah. is asking, you know, saying everything is copacetic right. when she puts her hand on the boy's chest, mm-hmm. and the mother says, "What does that word mean? What is you know? They're not English speaking people." Yes, yes. And the woman says, "When my husband and I would have arguments." When we were finished with the argument, we'd say, everything is copacetic, everything is all right. Right, right. So the mother says, the first words out of my son's mouth when he came out of surgery was, everything's copacetic. Oh, my God. I've got chills from that story. (laughs) Was uh, was this a made-up story? I don't think so. You know, again, Pearsall had written a lot of other books before that, Super Immunity. He was really on the forefront of psychoimmunology, yes. um, that it was an incredible story. That is an incredible amazing. story. It's sure. like, okay, the, you know, the heart has a mind. We just don't know, you know, yes. we don't know where mind is, let's face it. That's that's really true, and that's wonderful. Yeah. And, you know, hence, you know, um, go with what your heart says, <laughs> you know. <Yep. laughs> Be kind, <laughs> you know, and uh, all those things that yeah, our hearts do have minds. I mean, they do. Consciousness exactly. is exactly. in the cytoskeleton, and where where is that? We're in most we're in most cells. Well, they're in our hearts, right? <laughs> well, we've got trillions, yeah. but we've got a pretty active electromagnetic uh, source of ourselves for sure in our hearts. Wow, that is that is yeah. just amazing. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, I know we have to get going pretty soon, and and uh, I I just. I wanted to encourage people to check this book out because it really is people-friendly. Um, you don't have to be a, a doctor, a biochemist like Dr. Sandra Barrett. You can uh, be a layperson fascinated with the study of the cells and how it affects our minds. Um, what is the best way to get a hold of your book and find out more about you, Sandra? Well, there are a couple of ways. One, it's Sounds True, who's mm-hmm. the publisher, mm-hmm. soundstrue.com. Um, my website, you can find out uh, maybe more than you want to know, Sandra, S-O-N-D-R-A, Barrett.com. There are places where you can buy the book on there, too. Amazon has it. Uh, I actually list a couple of places that also sell it online. Mm-hmm. Ask at your local bookstore. Mm-hmm. Bookstores have it, too. Some of them have it. Yeah. So uh, you could check out the book. And it, at Amazon, there's a look inside, so you get an idea of, some of the content in the book right it's really neat too yeah. because i mean once you start looking at that you're folks you're going to say whoa i i need to research i need to get into this a little <laughs> bit more and there are photographs in here that are amazing and we haven't even touched you know on some of the other subjects that you talk about um in in terms of trying to get healthier your mind your imagery your healing we've a little bit about that but 
you know, heightened awareness, the spiritual center and, and how our cells reflect that and, and so much more. But um, this is just a little tease, so folks will check it out. How's that? And, of course, if you just tuned in here, you can listen to the show again. It'll be available tomorrow uh, to download or replay. And all the shows are on iTunes as well, so you can check out uh, podcasts, folks. Dr. Sandra Barrett, thank you for being such a terrific guest. It's been so much fun. Oh, thank you, Michelle. Well, you're... you're it was fun. Oh, good. Well, we'll have to do it yeah. again. <laughs> Absolutely. Good. Oh. I'd love to. All right. Thanks so much for all the work you do for others. You too. All right. Take good care now. You Bye-bye. too. Bye-bye. All right. Again, uh, Dr. Sandra Barrett, and the book is uh, The Secrets of Your Cells. What are our cells telling us? Why, why do they mutate? Why do we get sick? What will help us maybe heal more? What does some of the research say? How do our thoughts affect our body? It's all in the secrets of our cells, according to Sandra Barrett. It's discovering your body's inner intelligence. So check it out. And again, I'll have all the information up on the website tomorrow. So you can do that. All right. We got to go. Man, time's up already. Woo. Well, this is Dr. Michelle, and you can still stay on the couch. More great shows coming up next here on LA Talk Radio. And of course, CBS News is on the way. Give you the latest updates on what's going on out there in the world. Uh, As I always say, do take care of yourself first, because then you'll be great for others. That's the way it works. All right. Have a great one. Take good care. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye.